Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first overcome our internal self by focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. This podcast offers inspiration, strength, and hope through the tools of recovery, spirituality, and positive psychology. I started recoveryoursoul.net after having profound changes in my life in my recovery from alcoholism and control addiction. I was guided to share these tools with others through this podcast and personal coaching. Personal recovery does not need an addiction to use the tools and principles to better our lives and transform just the desire to make positive changes and grow. As an ordained minister, I continue to study and deepen my relationship with the spiritual principles that have brought me peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. I know that together we can do the work that will recover your soul. On July 4th of this year, 2021, a dream came true for me. I got to be a minister at the church that I've been going to for the last 20 years and give my first talk. And it was so amazing and so wonderful to have the sanctuary filled with so many people and know that there were people watching online and just the love and the support that I felt. And I want to thank my Recover Your Soul community as well for being part of this journey with me. So this next episode is my talk at Columbine Spiritual Center. I'm so used to being there (laughs) singing and used to standing over there as director of community care, but this is the first time that I get to stand in front of you as Reverend Rachel Harrison. try not to cry, but I just might. I just want to, I just want to thank everybody who's really been part of this journey. Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to stop. It's been this journey with me. You know, of course I've been coming here for 20 years. And so my mom and my husband and especially Sue who stood up here when she did her ordination and I said, wow, she had raised her kids and she had a calling And she wanted it. And because she could claim it, I could claim it. So here I am, finally, after all these years. And yet, I'm this human being. 
So what I wanted to talk about was spiritual freedom because I've experienced spiritual freedom. And so in my looking over things, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was a quote by Rumi. And the quote is, why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? And I loved this because I have been coming here for 20 years. I've listened to over a thousand talks. I did the math. <laughs> if I come every Sunday, which I've come for almost all the Sundays, I've listened to all those talks and I've been filled up with all that information, with all that spiritual stuff, and yet I was still in my own prison. And I am, we are all humans having this spiritual experience. And yet I had this heartache. I had this, this feeling like life just wasn't exactly what I wanted. And I was doing the spiritual practices, I thought. But the truth was, I wasn't 100%. You know, when you really start listening, what it says is you can't come halfway. God is over there. God's waiting for you over there. And I wanted to him to come to me. I wanted source to come to me. And I was standing in my own prison and I was sitting in it. And I was angry and I was disappointed that the world wasn't coming to me the way that I wanted. And maybe that's not how some of you saw it in those 20 years that you've known me here at Columbine. But in those 20 years, I wasn't living the fifth principle. And the fifth unity principle says you need to have action, that you can't just fill yourself up with the information. It's not enough to just read the words, to listen to it, to, to take it all in, to read the books. You have to, through your thoughts, through your words, through your actions, you have to live the principles that you know, the truth. And so many of us spend so much time learning, but we don't demonstrate it. And when I started the ministerial process, one of the first things that it talked about was, you have to demonstrate these learnings. It's not just enough just to know them. And I realized I hadn't been demonstrating them because I was stuck. And part of my stuckness was I was an alcoholic. The world didn't show up for me like I wanted. And what I've learned in spiritual freedom, if you think about the freedom of our country, you think of those continental soldiers who wanted to not be controlled by the British. And I was the British. And I was trying to control my life. I was trying to control the people in my life. And I thought I was doing it for a good reason. And so from very early on, from very, very early on in my life, I was a good problem solver and I was very independent. I was an only child and, and thank goodness for those skills. There's nothing wrong with having great skills of being a great problem solver or figuring things out for yourself. It turns out that you're not supposed to do that for everybody else. <laughs> but it took me a long time to figure that out. So my prison was control. My prison was control. And I, of course, I'm, 
It's funny. I can't sing a song without words, and I can't tell a talk with notes, but I have to know the one definition. The definition of control is the power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of events. I was being helpful. So about 10 years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was being helpful. So about 10 years ago for Christmas, my dad comes up from New Mexico and he brings, Doug, show the, the big picture of the painting first. He brings this painting. And um, it was when I was 13. It's not coming up. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to stand this way. So when I was 13, I was a model. Somebody asked if I would be, this painter asked if I'd be a model, right? So this is, this painting is big, right? So this is me when I'm 13, and there's a puppet show, and there's two little kids, and there's this um, marionette. Go one step closer, if you can pinch in just a little bit. You can cover my whole face to show this, because I want, I want them to see it. Can you see that it is me manipulating a puppet? Does anybody think that puppet looks like my husband? Just a little bit, right? I swear to you, when my dad gave me this painting, I was like, yes! This is my life. Look at, I am a control of my husband. I've got these two beautiful children. That was making me unhappy. That really, the years that I had where I really felt like I was being helpful and, and, and you know, you're raising kids and you can't just let go and say, I'm just going to let go and be, you know, let God, I'm just going to let them not do whatever. But what I've learned in recovery, what I learned when I took my last drink three and a half years ago and I steadfastly went into recovery and I let go and surrendered really, really, really for the first time was that I wasn't letting it go. That I believed that my life, that I was powerless over alcohol, but not over people. <laughs> that my life was unmanageable. Oh yeah, I believed those things. That there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. Yes. Could I turn my will and the care of my life to a higher power. That's that part. I had sat in these seats for 20 years and I had taken this stuff in and I wanted it to come to me. I wanted in that co-creation, I was the creation and God was the co. <laughs> you know, like we're taught that you can manifest your life that we are manifestors, that we have control, that we have power. So guess what? We step in front. If it's a dance and someone's got to be the lead, spirit's the lead. And I wasn't letting spirit lead. We think that we're being helpful. And we don't even realize that the little things that we say or the little things that we do that we think are benefiting the situation, are manipulating the situation. We are trying to influence and direct people's behavior and the course of events. And what I learned in recovery when I really, really was finally surrendered 
three and a half years ago when I finally stopped drinking, when I finally stopped pretending that I could shut it down, it was actually Rich who was the one who said, we've got we've to stop. I'd had stints of sobriety before, and I think that I had really gotten to this place where I was so in the prison that you really can't see out, that you forget that there's something else. It's comfortable in the prison on some level. It's horrible. It's, it's, you wake up every day and you know that you're not connected to spirit, but you know it so well that it's hard to think that there's something else. And I believe strongly that the addict, whether it's alcohol or telephone or TV or shopping or food or sugar or all the things that we have that we can check out to has a power in us. And that power is taking us away from our connection with spirit. And the more that we allow ourselves to be engrossed in that, the more we're staying in the prison, the more we are disconnected from our true potential of our whole self. And yet, why is it so hard when the door is wide open? When we go and we listen to all these things and we, and we listen to spiritual things and we do listen to podcasts and we, you know, we do all this stuff. And yet to take that step out of the prison means that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. And we have to stop putting all that energy. What my energy was, was that if Rich was different, I'd be happy. <laughs> for reals, that was really what I thought. <laughs> if my kids were different, if my job was different, if the people around me were just a little bit different, and not like in a really super controlly way. It wasn't like, you know, it was more like in a, I have a better idea for you. You know, I have these great ideas for you. Rich, if you would just talk to the kids this whole other way, then it would be better. And when I look now, what I can really clearly, clearly see is that I might be right. And he might be right, but I'm not listening to God in those moments. I'm not dancing as the partner. I'm trying to be the director. So then what do we do? How do you move past that? So when I started doing recovery, so much of it was turning inward, was, was taking a place where we started to look at ourselves instead of pointing the finger at somebody else. And Marie Jacobs, who's here today, she was one of the people who worked with my husband and I to start communicating together in a way that wasn't about finger pointing. It wasn't about saying, here's how you are making me mad. Because we started that way. <laughs> and she would say, oh, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Let's bring God into this. Where's your higher power in this? What is, what's going on with you? What is your part? How do you, how do you respond to the situation and not ask that other person to change or to be somebody different than who they are? And as we did that, as we slowly, slowly, very slowly started making this progress, 
our relationship got safe. And we can't be ourselves, our full selves. You can't go out in the world as a, as this gooey, you know, vulnerable soul. Hey, you know, here I am. You're going to get chewed up. But you also can't go out in the world with this closed, like, I know exactly how it's supposed to be, and this is the way, and this is the only way. Because you're closing off yourself, you're closing off your relationships, you're closing off to God. You're closing off to the spirit that is trying to lead you, that's trying to dance you on this marvelous dance. And we think that we know what we want. And I have, I had this epiphany one day where I thought, why are we so hard on ourselves? Why are, why are we so hard on ourselves and why do we doubt ourselves so much? If spirit gave you this gift, spirit gave the gift of these phenomenal singers to stand here and to sing and share with us today. And I guarantee you that in their hearts, all of them go, oh, <laughs> Am I good enough? What's going on? Because I, I feel that way. This gift was given to you by spirit to go out in the world and do your thing, your thing, not somebody else's thing. Not to put all your concentration or energy on how somebody else could do something for you that's better. But how you can show up in your life, in your fullest and when I really let go, when I just said, you know what, I am not in charge of Rich, he blossomed because Rich could be in charge of Rich. And he could, let, he could quit thinking that I was, <laughs> he's over there, roof, roof. <laughs> he, could, he, he quit having his wife on his ass all the time. And I let go of my kids, and yes, they're 22 and 24 years old now, and I I also just have to have the caveat, and I, maybe they're watching or they'll watch later. Um, the best thing that happened is when they moved to California. <laughs> best thing. Because <laughs> they're, they're adults, and I want them to go be grown-ups. I want them to go do that thing. And this control thing, oh, I have not mastered it. Oh, believe me. It is a daily, daily practice, but I see it. I see that when I am agitated when I'm starting to become a bitch again, when I am starting to be discontent, that when I, that like that scratchiness that comes in you where you're like, why are you doing that? To the driver, to, you know, whatever's, whatever's happening, I realize it's because I am trying to control what is happening. That I want it to be mildly different. But what if I could sit in my own discomfort? What if, what if I could just be there? That's what I had to learn when I quit drinking, was that being uncomfortable was uncomfortable. That sitting sometimes where you don't feel great doesn't feel great. But when I'm there, I can feel my heart. And I can feel that piece of myself that says, I am held and supported by spirit. I can begin to silence my mind. And so I dug deep into my spiritual journey. 
and I dug deep into what was told to me by people that I respected on a spiritual level. And it's as if everything that I'd ever heard in those thousand talks was new, as if I'd heard it for the first time. And now I start looking around, I go, oh, did you know that control is a problem? Because <laughs> I thought I was supposed to have the marionette. I thought that was my job. I was proud of my ability to fix people, to fix things. And the more that I've stopped, sometimes I don't know what to talk about with people. What do you talk about? <laughs> For real. Rich and I sometimes are like, mm, I don't know, if we're not going to talk about the kids and we're not going to try to complain about each other and we're not going to complain about other people, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> but it's okay, you know? I mean, the truth is, for some people, I know that COVID was, was a different situation for every single person and it had highs and lows for everybody. For me, it was this real opportunity. The kids had left to get to know my husband again in this new, healthy way, to not tell him what I thought he should do with his day or how I thought he should interact with his clients or how he should parent. And we got to know each other again in that house. Remember how you couldn't leave the house and we were all together? <laughs> And it was like a new person because I was a new person because I was looking at things differently because where I would have before given my two cents, I just kept my mouth shut. And in that, there was this ability for me to start to grow. And then I found the school that I wanted to go to. I'd always wanted to be a unity minister, but unity school, bless Sue's heart, is long and hard. <laughs> it takes a long time. And I found a ministerial school called the University of Metaphysics through Sedona, and it was self-study. And I just poured myself into it. And about a year and a half ago, in the recovery process, I had been inspired by, literally by spirit. I was really, I feel like I was given the direction to share my experience because my leaving of the prison was so profound I really, I got that control thing. The awareness that this was mine, that, that happiness and freedom is an inside job. That if you are expecting everybody else to show up and provide for you a life that is going to make you happy, you are going to be constantly in the prison. And so about a year and a half ago, I was guided to start a website. So I started a website called recoveryoursoul.net. And I didn't know what it was for. I didn't know what it was it, it to me. It was just, I'm just supposed to be sharing this thing. I'm supposed to be of service. And I started with blogging and those of you that know my writing and my spelling will attest. I'm not a great writer. So that wasn't my thing. And then I was, then I thought I'm going to do a podcast. Well, why did spirit tell me to do a podcast? I don't know how to do a podcast. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And one step, one step, one step, one step. And for the last year, I've been doing a podcast called Recover Your Soul. And it's amazing to me to watch it grow and to get the feedback that I'm getting back from it. 
of the help that it's offering people all over the country and all over the world. Because recovery doesn't mean recovery from an addiction. Soul recovery is recovery from this part of ourselves that feels like it's disconnected from God, from source. That feels like the world needs to show up for us in a very specific way for us to be okay. And as I'm spending all my energy on you and fixing you, guess who's being left out? Me. And the amazing thing is that the more that I've worked on me, I've watched my relationships blossom. I was working at a job that I'd worked at for 10 years that was really wonderful for a long time and really toxic and bad in the end. And I raised my hand and say, I had something to do with that. But there was definitely time to go. And working through Prosperity Plus and working through the principles of, of attraction and spirituality and 100% surrender and letting God be the one that's leading the dance floor and not me. I got a job here at Columbine. You know, I mean, that was crazy and remarkable and amazing. And then I was guided to do this website and this podcast. And then here I am today, standing in front of this congregation that I love so much, that I have been so dedicated to for 20 years. And I thank this congregation because I think if I hadn't been here, my alcoholism would have been much, much, much worse. But thank God that I was here and that it just kept me here enough that what I was was checked out and I wasn't connected to myself. And we each are in our own places. There's no judgment one way or another. If you are in the depths of the darkness or if you have already, you long ago figured out this control thing and you, you know, have happiness and joy every day. We're all still these humans having this, we're spiritual beings having this human experience. And we can't sit on our laurels. You can't sit back and just go, well, I've got this now. Because what ends up happening is it shows up again. The prison shows up again. And so it's this never-ending work to better ourselves and not better other people, but to better ourselves. And through that, then those gifts that we have, those gifts that we were given by spirit can really blossom, that we can break wide open, that we can be the best for the world because we are the best in ourselves. And the more that we let go of everything that's happening and that we don't have control of. I wish I could fix the environment. I wish I could fix the political situation. I wish I could fix all the devastation that's in the world. But I've quit watching the news because I can't fix any of that. And what that does is that takes my energy away from my spiritual practice. And I try to keep just enough abreast to know. But what I want is I want my vibration and my light to be so true that that affects the next person who affects the next person who might be that person who's in the UN, who might be the person who has something to solve that can help climate change, who is the person who is, the, who is a leader in social situations. I'm not that person, but that other person needs to be loved and be fostered and supported enough to let that part of them blossom to make those changes in the world. So the more I can be the best me, 
the more you can be the best you. And my last thing is, you know the serenity prayer. So the 12-step uses a serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And when I went through recovery the first time, I'm pretty sure that I thought the courage to change the things I can meant the courage to change you. (laughs) And now I know that's not what it says at all. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That is basically everything outside of me. The courage to change the things I can, to turn inward, to have all of that focus be on what is mine to do and how can I be of service to the world. And the more that I live that, I can't even believe where my life is now from where it was. And the prison seems very far away. And I have immense gratitude for sobriety, for recovery, for spirituality, for spiritual freedom, for spiritual freedom. So let's just take a minute and move into some meditation. As we just take a deep breath, and surround ourselves with the knowing that we are supported, that we are held by spirit, that co-creation is the creation of source that is leading us to our highest and greatest good. And we can let go of any worries, of any holding to the past, because right here, right now, we are with God. The more we can be present in our bodies, the more we can be present with our breath, the more that we can just be exactly where we are right now, connected to that source. All is working out for its highest good. And we just hold this knowing, this truth, this living the truth while we sit in the silence. Thank you for listening, and I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. For more information, please visit the website, recoveryoursoul.net. There you can find out more about Rev. Rachel, book coaching or spiritual counseling sessions, read the blog, listen to music, connect to social media, as well as subscribe to receive email updates. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage, And by following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you'll follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the private Facebook group to become part of this transformational community.
The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.